0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Players Experience Podcast. On today's episode, we are welcoming in three time Paralympic medalist Tyler McGregor to share his story about his disability and how he overcame it to go from being in the hospital to competing in the Olympics and World Championships and so much more, and what it really means to him to be part of the Paralympic community what the overall experience at the games was, and so much more. Before we bring Tyler onto the show, of course, we just want to say a big shout out to our sponsors and to our video production team for all the work that they do on the show make sure to check out all the different promo codes and get something for yourself using that as well if you haven't done it yet it's a new year it's time to subscribe to the channel hit the follow button hit the bell make sure you're following the channel for all the new episodes that will be coming out and again i appreciate your support now without further ado let's get to tyler and talk about his olympic journey hey tyler how's it going today
1: good thanks how are you I appreciate you having me
0: yeah no worries thank you so much for taking time uh let's just hop right into it so i'm gonna start off with a little fun Q&A I like to call rapid fire so i'm gonna ask you three questions and whatever the uh, first thing that comes to your mind is uh let me know so okay strangest thing in your fridge right now
1: Ooh, i actually i i don't have many weird things um honestly nothing nothing really strange probably beets or like some other i don't even know what it is my mom made some sort of pickled thing that just is sitting in the back of my fridge and i have not not touched or even looked at
0: all right all right what's a tv show that you're currently watching right now uh i am currently
1: watching vikings and uh oh i for the ryan reynolds and rob mcelhaney what's it called um Something wrecks
0: some, them. I forget the the start of, of what it's called. Okay. I couldn't even okay. tell you I didn't even know that show. Yeah, okay. Uh, and third is, what's your favorite sport to play outside of hockey? Golf. Absolutely. Golf. Okay. Easy, easy, easy option now. Instead yeah. of a pro golf player, how did you know that hockey was the route that you wanted to go in sport and, and make a passion out of?
1: Um, When I was probably well a a few different instances actually when i was when i was eight i always tell the story of like watch just watching the the 2002 salt lake city games um like joe sakic was my childhood hockey hero and uh and watching canada win um the women's gold medal and then i think it was a day or two later um watching the men win their first medal in in men's hockey in 50 years um joe sakic scored the game-winning goal um like that was when I was just like I want to do that um and, and so that was pretty early on and then um I played both avidly as a kid obviously and um the seasons also aligned perfectly like you know in the off season for hockey I I would just spent sun up to sun down at the golf course but then um I remember I was probably like 13 or 14. I, I had to choose between um, going to try out for for this for one of my hockey teams or the, the team I wanted to play for in the next season, and and going to a regional golf tournament to qualify for provincials. And um, and I chose hockey, and uh, I kind of never looked back. To, after that point, I, it kind of took the lead role, I guess, in my life. Um, and so, yeah, there was a few instances like that where I was just convinced that that was the right path for me.
0: Oh, Hey, it's definitely worked out. We're going to talk about why it's worked out, but for those that don't know, you were diagnosed with a condition called spinal spinal cell sarcoma, which resulted in you losing your left leg. What was the mentality for you knowing that you were losing the limb, but that you weren't going to be determined to let that stop you?
1: I think early on it was. Um, it was a lot of shock and just being unaware of, uh, really like this, this new environment. I grew up in a small town where, uh, there wasn't really any, any amputees or, or anyone really, not a whole lot of people at least living with the disability. So it was, it was kind of just unfamiliar. Uh, so a lot of my, my mindset was just trying to learn as much as possible about, um, Kind of the reality that I was facing, and and at the same time, it was obviously a ton of disappointment to kind of lose what I thought and what I hoped would be uh, a lifetime career and lifetime passion in in hockey. Um, to kind of have that taken away was it was devastating, and it, it was it was heartbreaking, and it was confusing for many months, and yet like at the same time, my, my passion and my love for hockey just continued to grow. It's kind of while I was in the hospital, like what I turned to for, for joy each day, um, just being able to, to turn on a hockey game and, um, and to talk hockey with my teammates and, um, and, and, you know, so many of those things. And then, um, you know, for me, it was, it was about adapting as quick as possible and, and finding a way to continue to to have it as part of my life and um, kind of through that that process of of recovery after I had my amputation um, you know I tried to to learn to skate I, I and I, I did I learned to skate as an above knee amputee um, and then I was just slowly kind of introduced to um, the world of, of the Paralympics and I found sledge hockey or para hockey and um, that kind of offered me the opportunity to, um, to take the next step or to reintroduce myself to, to the sport that I loved and wanted to play. And so, um, in, in many ways, like my, my mentality throughout the whole thing was just being open, open-minded and adaptable, um, trying to, to kind of, um, Open myself to to new opportunities and to work hard at them when they presented themselves uh, and that's fortunately worked out very well.
0: No, and thank you for sharing that story because like everyone will like do the research they just they see like oh like this person has a like loss of limb and and I refer to a disability as a new ability, because like myself, I'm a Special Olympics athlete, I have an intellectual disability. Obviously, I know it's all on the same spectrum as, as losing a leg, but everyone will do the research and just kind of see one component, but without knowing the background story and, and the effects of it and and what it really does from a mental standpoint too, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think that I agree with you, like it's so important to, to open yourself to understanding um, people's different situations and, and kind of what they deal with. And, and, and also just like, I I think it just opens people's minds to, you know, how adaptable, whether, whether you're a Paralympic athlete or a special Olympic athlete, how adaptable each of those, those groups are. Um, And it's, it's always so, so impressive. And I I think that's important, an important perspective to,
0: to gain um, when having those conversations. No, exactly. Now you took because you learned about sledge hockey in the Paralympics, you began playing sledge hockey in twenty eleven, where you made your the Canadian men's national pair ice hockey team in twenty twelve, where you debuted at just eighteen years old. As a result of the success at those games, as well as the twenty thirteen IPC Sledge Hockey World Championships, you became the, the second youngest player named to Team Canada for the sledge hockey team during the twenty fourteen Winter Paralympics. What was that moment like for you to again overcome that adversity? Kind of realize, okay, I want to get in, back into sport. I want to be introduced to sledge hockey, and really then being able to represent your country and come home with a bronze medal to top things off.
1: Yeah, I mean the the learning experience was was exciting and frustrating and at the same time because I, uh, you know, it was exciting to to kind of be learning a, a new sport that I that I'd already played or learned how to play it differently um but it was also frustrating at times to to kind of want that learning curve to to occur quicker um and so a lot of hard work kind of went into that a lot of um a lot of learning from just by trial and error and through repetition but also just through observation of you know once I made the national team trying to to learn as much as I possibly could from the veteran players within our program and then um you know having the chance to to go to world championships and win in a in what was my first season um in 20 2013 um and then a year later like the the experience at the the paralympics was just unbelievable and it was it was kind of mind-blowing in many ways i was so young uh and which i think like you know, I I struggle to remember uh, certain aspects of the games for that reason, but I, I just remember that was my first time walking into a, a stadium of 40,000 people and seeing and hearing people cheering, and I was just blown away. Um, and then to be competing on the world stage um, and see athletes from every corner of the world was so cool. Um, and then just to have my family over there as well and and enjoying the experience um it was uh it, it was so so awesome just you, you know like having a i guess at least reflecting to four years prior when i was i was in the hospital watching the vancouver games um and then to you know fast forward to 2014 in sochi and to be a part of those games as an athlete um, it was it was incredible and uh, I think just you know being able to represent Canada there, and um, it's something that that I'm very that I'm very proud of and honored to be able to do.
0: That's incredible, and like you're right, it's going. It's all about perception and and really what you want to do as a dream. Where you go from, like you said, being in the hospital, fast forward four years, being at the Olympics but then fast forwarding four and eight more years where you attended two more Paralympic games, winning silver in both of those games, um, as well as a couple of world championships uh, mixed in, the, in there too. How much work and dedication goes into getting prepared for events like these for you personally and really being like getting ready to be uh, performing on the big stage at the Olympics?
1: Well, I think when you, oftentimes you break your, as a, as an athlete like for us at least as amateur athletes you you break your kind of your training cycles into into four-year cycles so as soon as the the previous games end you, you start planning out your preparation for for the next ones and um oftentimes really as it is like that kind of is an 11 and a half month a year um training and preparation process and um and so, as you know, we got back from Beijing and uh, took a couple of weeks to rest and and then you start training lightly to begin with. Um, but reintroduce yourself to to training and um you kind of do some reflection and and understand uh, areas of improvement. but the I think the work and dedication, um, like we spend five, six days a week in the you know whether we're on the ice or just in the the gym um it, it can change week to week but um you know it's it's hours and hours a day and then uh like i, I think if you really want to be a high performer you have to take it step steps further than that and and focus on recovery and and injury prevention and um you know trying to to find ways to to maximize your potential um you know that could could include things like studying video and um trying to learn different skills whatever it may be um so i think like it's a a constant evolution of of how much work and dedication and discipline that you have to put in but the bar keeps getting raised uh within pretty much every sport right and and that's that can be challenging but it's also so exciting to to be a part of that evolution and that growth.
0: You know, talking about the evolution and the growth of different games and you've been to a number of the Olympic Games, a different number of world championships. What's been your favorite event to go to or be a part of with the mixture of the culture, the event, the experience itself, the Athletes Village? I've heard from a number of different athletes. The Athletes Village can be as wild as it as we can imagine sometimes. Um, what's been your favorite moment of it? Uh, I, so I think if I'm,
1: if I'm to reflect on games experiences, um, it's far and away, uh, the 2018 games in South Korea, uh, that one was unique where typically at the games you're separated into two villages. Um, one with all the, one mountain village and one coastal village, they usually call it where, um. You know, athletes from all over the world are kind of separated in those two. Whereas in South Korea, everyone was together in one and there was just so many more people. Um, the venues were incredible. The the crowds that they had there were were amazing. Um you know, for for us it was it was easy to access and to watch other events. Um for our families, they had so much uh ability to go watch other events and do other things outside of that um the village was was so much fun there we had we had such a great setup where we were in south korea um the facility that we played in was you know pretty much sold out if if not it was sold out for every one of our games um the our semi-final game against the home nation um, was the loudest environment that I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I remember they they showed the decibel reading on the the jumbotron in like the second or third period is one hundred and four point five decibels. Um, so it was ridiculously loud, but just a um an incredible environment. Uh, un- unfortunately, like that that tournament itself um, didn't result in a gold medal we lost in overtime, but um, I think the one the one good thing, as I reflect now versus four or five years ago, however long it was, um, you know, I'm able to separate result from overall experience. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think South Korea was unique and especially looking back on it now, because we're in Beijing and there was no fans at all. And we're kind of in a bubble, obviously, due to to the pandemic, like South Korea just seems like such an incredible experience.
0: Especially when you go from like you said, all that to nothing. It's uh feels like you're just playing in a practice game down the street.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You could you could literally hear a pin drop in, in that arena. You could hear every everyone's voice like
0: the worst yes. thing i'd imagine the worst of those is like if either yourself one of your teammates or heck we all know the coaching staff swear <laughs> all you hear is after ah, this and like you could hear that so crystal clearly on the on the mics. exactly yeah nothing's a secret <laughs> now i've had a few different olympians on the show and in the past and i've asked them this question and i want to ask you where do you keep your olympic medals some have said that they keep it at their parents house. Some have said that they keep it in a Lululemon bag, um, like tucked in a corner. What about you? Where do you keep yours?
1: Uh, mine are easily accessible. I have a bookshelf just just to my left that uh, they kind of just they they stay on there. And then you know I I have them out. Well, I haven't had them out as much as usual over the past few years. I've been doing less personal events, but I just had them out this week. And um, right now they're they're sitting in my gym bag, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, they, they most of the time sit on my bookshelf and um, just kind of an easy place to keep them where I can easily access them. Makes but uh, yeah, like my, my models are so beat up and um, I kind of love that. Like, I think one of the best things about having them is just being able to share them, take them places, let people clink them around, um, you know, wear them, whatever it may be. Uh, so I hope when I'm like, when I'm older, they're in they're in rough shape as as they already are. They were night one after I I got some of them.
0: <laughs> I bet <laughs> yeah. after celebrating like again, it's a silver medal. It's a huge accomplishment. I bet they were uh, clinking around uh, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Now, who would be like? Everyone has a motivator growing up. Uh, it can be parents. It could be coaches. Um someone just to to excel you to that next level who was the, your biggest motivator growing up Um so there's many people like my parents are are so
1: were so and still have been so instrumental um the amount of investment that they made both in myself and my sister is just incredible um and so I have so much respect and admiration for for them um not never forcing me into to anything but giving me every opportunity to try and every opportunity to to succeed and I I I understand that um you know I I was privileged in having that opportunity as as a young kid um and then you know outside of that uh there's a lot of a lot of different people that I I look to for motivation um you know as I as I said, like, you know, and some some of those people I, I didn't even know, as I said, I, I looked up to Joe Sackick as a young kid, uh, my favorite leaf was Doug Gilmore. Um, and I looked up to both of those people for for very different reasons. Um, Joe Sackick was a, a goal scorer and a, an exceptional leader who who won two Stanley Cups amongst, you know, other other accolades, including a, an Olympic gold, whereas Doug Gilmore was just this hardworking, in your face gritty type of guy who um was was undersized and and did every everything he could to possibly win. um and then I, I would say like my overall like biggest inspiration in life, uh, even as a kid before cancer became a factor in my life was Terry Fox. Um, he is the quintessential Canadian athlete um and especially as an above knee amputee now like uh, i have no idea how he ran a marathon day after day on on a on the prosthetic leg that he had back then it wasn't even considered you can't even consider that a prosthetic it was like a piece of wood um and so you know that's not to mention that like the selflessness and the determination that that he had to at that time in 1980, to to run across the country and kind of inspire millions and millions of Canadians, um, not just then, but, but still to this day. Um, and so, especially when I was diagnosed with cancer, like that is someone who kind of gave me hope, um, through my situation and, uh, and someone I looked up to a lot.
0: That's really motivating. Yeah. I like definitely it it's hard to really pinpoint just one person but then like you said when you have um different things that affect your life that you see bigger names and that have gone through that like jerry fox and then just like again your hockey career seeing doug gilmore seeing joe zackick like do their thing and and succeed you're like okay i can do this it's it's really motivating to like know that your passion is only a few steps away really absolutely yeah i agree now, talking about motivation, my last question for you is what would your advice be for the next generation of hockey players that either may or may not have a setback um, like a amputee leg or or an arm or something like that where they want to perform in sport and really and succeed in their level? Uh, I, I think most importantly, it's important to be
1: open-minded and adaptable. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, especially people living with a disability, like I, I think that's kind of an inherent characteristic that you you're forced to develop. but um especially when you're kind of transitioning into sport, um, you know, like there's so many sporting opportunities, and it's so incredible to see um, how much more accessible they're becoming. There's certainly uh, a lot more work to be done. but um I think, like it's it's nice, at least to see increased representation of of sport for people with disabilities. And so um, I would encourage young people to to try as many as they can um, to um, to learn and understand, uh, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and what they're able to do and and try to adapt things as, as best they can. Um, and yeah like there's there's so many opportunities out there um but i think it starts with with having an open mind and um and trying new things and then you know finding something that you that you like and that you that you really enjoy doing and you're good at and from there it's about developing the the habits and the discipline and um kind of the the overall passion to wake up every day and and kind of try and be better and learn how to do it um, at a at a high level.
0: That's incredible. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. I really appreciate your time and that's some great motivating words to end off on. Um, all the best moving forward, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at another future game soon.
1: My pleasure. I appreciate you having me, Ryan. Um, yeah, this was awesome. So thank you very much, and um, Have a great day. You too.